It's a radical thing in today's culture for a young man to reject what the culture tells him will make him happy in favor of what God is showing him will truly make him happy. These are the honest conversations of the men discerning the priesthood in the Diocese of Nashville, seminarians learning what it means to follow Christ's call. You're going to have to interact with the people and you're going to have to knock on their door and be like, hey, like, I haven't seen you in a while. Are you okay? Everything's going on. Dealing with the challenges. Sometimes I was like, boy, I wish I would have paid more attention in that class. <laughs> I'd be able to answer this question a little bit better. Let me get back to you. Finding the beauty. At least for us in our seminarian time, um, we have to do papers. We have to do all these things, but always uh, create some times where you're going to spend time with the Lord. This is the Nash Vocations Podcast. Adapted for Nashville Catholic Radio. Uh, how you doing? My name is Justin Farr, and I got I got some, I got some uh, good people with me here today uh, as we begin this episode, and uh, and we can go around the table and uh, just introduce ourselves. I'm Father Austin Gilstrap. I'm the director of vocations for the Diocese of Nashville. Mm-hmm. I'm Anthony Romeo. I'm a third theology uh, seminarian for the Diocese of Nashville. And I'm Christian Hamrick. I'm a fourth-year collegian for the Diocese of Nashville. And yeah, we're happy to have you here today. And uh, I guess uh, just kind of like get things started off with like something nice and light. Like uh, again, we're recording this uh, during like Christmas time and stuff, and so things are getting like uh, kind of they get Christmassy feeling and everything. And but uh, but of course, like uh, like. Well, people like to forget a lot of times during this time. It's different than Christmas time, but it's but more important. It's like Advent and everything like that. I mean, like, um, and when after I mean, I, before becoming Catholic, I, like I didn't really celebrate Advent on that much. But even like now, like uh, I've, I've become in recent years more intentional about like Advent. So I just don't, don't kind of like throw myself into the Christmas period and everything and kind of forget this kind of key period we called Advent and everything like that. Like, uh, how successful have y'all been kind of kind of coming to uh, uh, Christmas time, but not just flaw- flowing through forgetting Advent and going to Christmas and everything, but, but having, like, Advent being really respecting Advent as its own kind of time? Well, I think one great way to do that is to be really intentional about um, following the scriptures that the uh, church provides for the Advent season. I mean, especially when you're looking at Isaiah and all the preparatory language that you've got there. And so it sort of provides you with a, a built-in framework and then a, a really built-in preparatory period um, in the scriptures itself leading up to the Christmas season. So you can still engage in the some of the more secular Christmas festivities and things. We don't want to just say, like, oh, do away with that or something oh, no, like that. No. Of course not. Uh, <laughs> but some fun stuff in there. I'd be in trouble if I waited to sh- do my Christmas shopping until uh, Chris- until December 26th. That would be a little problematic. But um, But I think definitely getting steeped in the – in the scriptures, including those that the church provides in the context of liturgy, um, are a great great way to be able to stay conscious about the uh, the preparatory period that we have here before the Christmas season and Advent. Sure, yeah, Prophet uh, Isaiah. Uh, during this time, the the one phrase that I kind of look at is the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. 
and to have Christ be that great light. Uh, obviously, there is this messianic uh, expectation. Um, the people they they needed a savior, right? And um, you know, Jesus uh, coming to us to sort of shatter um, sin and death. Um, I look at that and uh, I, I, I say to myself, okay, what in, in my life needs to have this light sort of shown on it? Um, and that's sort of kind of what I focus on in Advent is sort of this sort of formative time. It's a penitential season, right? What kind of penances can we take sort of in preparation for this great expectation of the Messiah? Nice. Yeah. I, um, I spend, uh, of course, as a priest, it's much easier because we have to preach, right? So we're preaching constantly throughout all of Advent. And so you're having to prepare whenever you're preparing as a, uh, as a homilist, you're preparing the, the readings, you're trying to think, what is it that you are trying to say in, um, uh, even over the course of a liturgical season like Advent? And so it hasn't been too difficult, I think, to enter into Advent. I, I, I found myself in the midst of kind of COVID world uh, relating a lot of the, uh, the preparation that uh, is the main theme of Advent, relating a lot of the COVID preparations with preparations for Christmas and trying to kind of tie those two realities together. But, um, but it's, always been, um, it's always been a beautiful time to me, uh, Advent has. Um, when I was growing up, my father wanted to do exactly what you're talking about, Justin. He wanted to try and make sure and not kind of blow through Advent and go straight to Christmas. And so one of the things that he restricted was uh, in the house, we weren't allowed to play any Christmas music until Christmas Day. Like you just know Christmas music was allowed. My sister has since rebelled at her house. And she starts playing Christmas music immediately after Thanksgiving. Oh, like I mean, like I mean, my immediate reaction to that is like, oh, really? I mean, I mean, I wouldn't go to go that far. It's like I, I mean, I do think like uh, even though it's secular, there's some like good goodies we can kind of pull out of like uh, like uh, Christmas. I mean, like even kind of having a little bit earlier than than when we begin begin it liturgically. But Father, you talked about kind of. Um, uh, tying um, those uh, things together of Advent and the readings and stuff, and you give those in homilies and sermons and stuff like that and preaching to the people. And when you preach to the people and stuff, like there's definitely an aspect of like leadership that you have to have in order to kind of weave people to weave those two things together and not just in Advent, but also across the entire liturgical year. And because people kind of expect that out of you as the pastor, as the priest that's up there, even or a deacon or something like that. And so when people kind of expect that out of you, you take a, you take a role of leadership in order to lead people and guide people in the word of God. And so as to lead people and, guide people to the God who has spoken that word. Okay, and that's a good segue to kind of begin our kind of topic that we have uh, today uh, in regards to leadership, because as leadership is a big part of seminary formation. So not only that we we take a role of leadership when we give homilies, when we give uh, ourselves out and preach the word of God to the people to help lead them and guide them to the God who is who has spoken that word, but we we we, ha- we have an opportunity to be formed into like uh, leaders ourselves so that we can not only lead people and guide people what we do 
in the pulpit, but what we do in the confessional, but also what we do just even at the kitchen table when we go and visit our people. And so, again, uh, we so we can begin our topic today again. Just again, my name is Justin Farr, and I will be leading this discussion. I mean, uh, like uh, guiding this discussion along this, this aspect of leadership, the interest, the intersection between leadership and seminary formation. And so, I want to kind of start off this discussion with, like, again. Like again, a broad kind of question, a broad type of thing, which can touch on many different sectors. But of course, we're going to kind of weave those things into, especially seminary formation and everything like that. But we're going to start off really broad, and hopefully, we can weave our way, weave our way back in um, to uh, what we're trying to get at here. And so, the first question, I'm, I'm, I'm open up, open up to anybody who wants to take it, uh, and that's why is leadership important now it may seem obvious leadership is important but of course we got to explain kind of why and then once we get into that why we can really kind of talk about it a little bit more but but why why is leadership important sure i'll, I'll take that um yeah i mean because ultimately uh as seminarians you know our sort of final product that we come out as as, as a priest god willing is that we have to be spiritual leaders um and that we have to be the spiritual leader of the parish. Um, and so leadership is important because people, our parishioners, are going to look to us to be that sort of firm foundation of leadership, um, to look at us and see a man of prayer, to see someone that really is uh, trying everything to take care of them and whatever needs that they have. Because ultimately, you know, if, if we can't be holy, how can we expect our people to be holy? Um, and so it really starts in the internal sort of uh, um, how can I be strong and, and a, a man of prayer myself and then be able to lead these people in, in their spiritual lives to a, um, to a uh, gosh, to a stronger faith themselves. And so leadership is important in seminary, and they give you opportunities in seminary to be a leader. Um, as a third theologian now, I feel like I have about like 20 different hats. But it's, it's super impor- important because we need that sort of practice because we're essentially going to be small business owners, and we're going to be, be, be making these uh, decisions in the parish that are going to be uh, not only affecting the parish but the people in the parish uh, themselves. Yeah, I think there's a difference between – uh, this was something I heard when I was a kid, actually. Uh, the difference between leadership and management. Um, and there's a distinction that we have to make kind of right off the bat because most people have experience of management. You know, if you if you go in and your first job is at McDonald's or your first job is at Steak and Shake or something like that, you know, you go in and you have this uh, kind of experience of being led by a manager you are uh, experiencing somebody who kind of gives you a set of rules and in those in that set of rules you have to kind of abide you know this is how you have to live um and we kind of have that mentality of management which isn't a bad thing management's a good thing um and and is an aspect of leadership but you know it's something that uh is more cold in a certain sense and there's there's more of an obligation kind of placed on the person um Anthony, I think what you're talking about is true leadership because it goes beyond management. Because uh, with leadership, we're talking about the opportunity 
to take someone who wants to go somewhere from where they, where they are to where they want to go. And as priests, I think we have to be, um, in a very real way, sensitive to whomever we're uh, kind of encountering, whether that's, um, you know, members of our parish or just a random person on the street or somebody that we're interacting with, um, you know, kind of in, in the world somewhere and uh, acknowledge where they are, wherever that happens to be, uh, both spiritually, emotionally, maybe even psychologically, recognizing in ourselves what we can do for them and then taking them insofar as we're able to, leading them to our Lord. Because that's ultimately everything that we do as priests is taking people uh, from wherever they are to Jesus. And that happens, as you said, in confession. It happens in, in all the sacraments. Um, and I think that's different than management. I think sometimes we have a temptation to to manage people. Like, hey, if you show up at this place and, and go to Mass at this time and go to confession once a week, all of those are good things, but that's not, that's not taking somebody necessarily to where they ought to go. Yeah, and I think that's a sort of unique uh, charism that that priest really only can have is that just in the way that um, our Lord sort of led the way of salvation through the sacrifice on Calvary, um, in the same way, the priest is uniquely configured to that to where he is supposed to sort of lead the way of his people or those people that he's ministering to or um, whoever he encounters, he's supposed to be the one sort of leading the way, preparing the way for them on their own walk to Calvary, on their own sort of way of the cross. And that's not to make it all uh, sort of negative or down or something like that, but that's also the reality of life. And we know that in that cross is that's where salvation and the ultimate show of love resides. And so it's the role of the priest specifically to lead his people down that path, uh, most especially through his own example and having lived that path, that um, road to Calvary himself. And so, like, uh, we, when, in the Catholic Church, when, when we, of course, when people talk about, like, the leader of the Catholic Church, we, oh, that's the Pope. But the Pope has an interesting title. Yeah, he's the leader, like, at least on earth, the leader of the Catholic Church. But part of his title is the servant of the servants of God. And so a crucial part of leadership, especially when it comes to being a priest, is service. And so just as Father Gilstrap talks about, like, there's a uh, making the distinction between um, management and true leadership. Um, and like there is a there's of course, there's a distinction between leadership and service, but there's an intersection that's there. What type of intersection is there between there is in leadership and service? How do both kind of come to play in the life of a priest? Well, so I'm a collegiate seminarian, so I'm in the nearing the end of my formal philosophy studies, but that's sort of what's always on my mind is uh, uh, not necessarily the theological perspective of things, but what is the sort of philosophical perspective of things. And uh, one of these um, sort of touchstones of uh, Thomistic realist philosophy, that of Aquinas, is um, the notion that act follows being, that um, we all have... uh, and nature 
and that we act in accord with that nature. And then that also then means that there is a um, certain flourishing in that nature. We have a particular end um, that is particular to us by nature. And so one of the major components of servant leadership specifically is acknowledging that um, these people um, that I'm leading, their end is flourishing. Mm. I want them to reach their end. So it makes it to where your leadership is no longer just about sort of like I'm marshalling people together to uh, sort of do a certain task or something like that. Yeah, that'd be managing, right? That'd be more like management, yeah. uh, just sort of sheer management. Yeah. Um, but really what it does is what my role is as a, is as a leader is to be able to assist these people. Um, and it might be in a very sort of common way. It might be sort of, well, if we all do this task together, then it will sort of assist our flourishing. Um, but it is to look at an individual and be able to say, um, I can help you. I can help instruct you. I can uh, be there to support you um, so you can work towards your flourishing. And we know from Christian revelation that that flourishing um, ultimately, our ultimate end is communion with God. And so it's priestly leadership is uh, in that regard saying, I'm know that I want you to be able to flourish, which means that communion with God. So I'm going to assist you in any way that I can, um, by example, by the sacraments, by sometimes through very sort of uh, management administrative realities, like you can't run a parish very effectively if it's broke, yeah. <laughs> um, as I'm certain Father Gilstrap, you're uh, very well acquainted with. Uh, but it is in that way, you're able to sort of cater it to the individual um, and their needs and how you can assist them, but then also at the same time say, but we do have a sort of common goal that we're working towards that I want to help move us all towards. Yeah, I, I can tell you too, from uh, just a recent kind of practical example to kind of give you an ex idea of what this looks like in parish life. We, um, of course, this is COVID times. And so, there's a huge question mark in a lot of people's minds about masks and when they can or should wear masks and when they shouldn't wear masks. And some people don't want to wear masks and some people do want to wear masks. Some people don't want to be inside. Some people do want to be inside, you know, and so there's these, there's lots of different opinions, right? Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, while we have the dispensation in place and we certainly don't want anybody to feel like they have to go to mass um, if they are are vulnerable or it's going to be dangerous for them. And that's why the bishop put the dispensation from the obligation to attend mass on Sunday in place. Um, it, it's still going to worship our Lord, receive our Lord in the Holy Eucharist is still something that most people are recognizing as something that they need for that ultimate end that you're talking about, right? Like we're all sitting there thinking, Hey, I need Jesus. I need to be able to receive Jesus. I need to be able to commune with and worship God. And so uh, as the pastor, it's been a huge uh, kind of roller coaster over the last few months trying to sort out how to lead and be a servant. And so there's even earlier today, I got a phone call because we're, we've been doing outdoor mass. 
And we've been doing this outdoor mass, not because I particularly want to do outdoor mass. Uh, outdoor mass is a huge pain, right? It's, uh, it's, we have microphones that are not as easy to work with as the microphones we have inside. We've got to set up a separate, a separate altar. We actually had an altar built. Um, we've got to take all of this stuff outside and bring it all back in. We're work constantly worried about weather. We're constantly worried about, you know, um, uh, the wind kind of blowing anything away. So all of there's all these other factors that we have to factor in, but we know that there are people that wouldn't be able to go to mass if we didn't have mass outside. That if we didn't kind of do this work and go out of our way and sacrifice our time and mental energy and talents, if we didn't do that thing, then there would be people who wouldn't be receiving Jesus right now because they're vulnerable, right? And they don't feel like they can go inside. And so they would just elect to not be able to go to mass or to watch mass online, which we all know is not the same as actually being able to worship in, in uh, live at mass. And so I, I would say that's a, a very concrete example of the way in which we as a community are trying to serve as leaders, right? We are, we are the servant leaders we're, we're guiding people to Jesus, right? It's all ordered towards our Lord, but we have to kind of serve and serve ourselves up in a sense um, for that to be able to come, come about. And that's, and that's part of servant leadership specifically is uh, Father Gilstrap, like you were saying, like it really stinks to have to do outdoor mass. It's a real pain to do all that. And so I'm certain sort of, uh, your sort of immediate desire would be, it would just be so much easier if we could do uh, mass indoors and not have to move everything. But part of being a servant leader is saying, again, sort of, well, I uh, want these people to flourish enough. Uh, I want that enough that I'm willing to subordinate my um, own immediate desire for the convenience of being able to do mass like we normally do inside and saying, I care about these people. I love these people enough that uh, I'm willing to do all these different things to have an altar built, to move mass outside, to be constantly checking the weather. I'm certain to up until the last minute to see, can we have outdoor mass? Uh, I'm willing to do all of that because, uh, I've subordinated my desires in a servant's attitude with a servant's heart um, for the sake of the flock. Yeah, Andy, I want to get you up in in sure. this as well. Yeah, I mean, I obviously agree with what you guys are saying, and I would just simply add that, you know, being around my family during this time and my brother and my sister who are both mar married, you know, to see some of those similarities of, you know, that natural vocation, married life that we're all have been called to and then placed on top of that, supernatural vocation to priesthood, but that the inconveniences that we experience, that, that I see my brother experience in married life, that, you know, his kids are screaming and, and uh, he's got to go to work and all these kind of things, like inconveniences that we talk about. Um, he, he bears up and still does that and provides for his family uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, and he does so because he's a man, right? He provides because he's a man. And uh, I always look to that, and I think to myself, I was like, wow, that's inspiring. 
And then on the servant leadership uh, aspect of it, um, just I think our Lord models that so perfectly on the road to Emmaus, right? Um, they come to him and, uh, you know, uh, they're like, hey, listen, dummy, are you the only one that doesn't know what's going on? And he says, tell me about these things, right? Christ first listens to his people, right? He knows what they need, but he lets them talk. And I think during this uh, COVID uh, time that you guys have been talking about, I think people are looking for, I mean, ultimately they're looking for Christ, like what you said, Father, but they're looking for, for us to provide that spiritual leadership to be like, hey, I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. I need your help to help elevate me to a better, more profound spiritual life. And so that's what I would add. Yeah, and so like uh, we have these two like images of leadership. One is the leadership that comes right off the bat, leading and guiding people, but we also have the servant aspect as well. And these two kind of come together and intersect in uh, in a beautiful way in seminary formations. Uh, we thank you for joining us here. And as always, my name is Justin Farr. I'm Father Gelstrap. Anthony Romeo. Christian Hamrick. And we thank you for joining us um, uh, for this episode of the, of the Nash Vocations Podcast. Thank you. God bless you. And have a nice day. This has been an adaptation of the Nash Vocations Podcast for Nashville Catholic Radio in conjunction with the Vocations Office of the Diocese of Nashville. Shining the light of our Catholic faith in everyday life. This is Nashville Catholic Radio, 100.5 FM, and streaming at NashvilleCR.com. This show and Nashville Catholic Radio are made possible through the generous donations of our listeners and the Office of Faith Formation in the Diocese of Nashville. The Office of Faith Formation is a catalyst for the intellectual and spiritual formation of the people of the Diocese of Nashville. Assisting the pastors and parishes in their mission of catechesis, the Office aims to echo the teachings of Christ, form disciples, and equip people to evangelize the Word. To find out more about learning about our faith and our Catholic traditions at any age, contact the Office of Faith Formation, the Diocese of Nashville. You can go to their website, dioceseofnashville.com slash formation, or call them at 615-783-0263, 615-783-0263.